Someone's Ooh. someone's ringing my doorbell. Hold on. Sorry. If you're like me, then I would hide and never answer the door. Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate Gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And each week we discuss an episode of Stargate beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hello! Hello! <laughs> How are you today? Uh, okay, I'm tired. As I mentioned uh, to you guys yesterday, I went to an engagement party that became a surprise wedding. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like that. Yeah. I was like, oh, I guess I can't just stay for an hour. That doesn't look good. Right. Yeah. That's that's really annoying for anybody like yourself that just wanted to stay a little and then duck yeah. out. Because, yeah, <laughs> that's annoying. It was fine, though. Like, I had a good time and they're lovely people. So <laughs> it worked out. But when when in this gathering did they announce that it is a surprise wedding? At an hour into the gathering. Oh, geez. They, so, yeah. So, right about when you were ready to leave. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had shown up a little bit late, but yeah. <laughs> it was good. That was cute. It was a very cute little, like, backyard wedding, and there was food. They had a pizza truck. The pizza truck was really nice. good. Highly recommend pizza trucks. And pizza. I had pizza for dinner yesterday, too, but it was not from a truck. Nice. We just ordered it nice. because we've been ordering out too much this week. But we were on vacation, so yeah. it's fine. Yeah. Everything's fine. Yeah. How are you doing? Eh. Yeah. Meh. Yeah. Mild end of vacation grumpies. As I've mentioned on here before, and as you know, uh, Potato has not been doing so yeah. well. Our kitty. So her her uh, rainbow bridge appointment is scheduled for tomorrow. So I'm pretty bummed about that today. Yeah, this has not been a good year for podcast cats. Definitely not. Yeah, poor old poor girl. Kitty. Yeah, but she's still managing to eat treats. So I'm just throwing treats at her whenever <laughs> I walk by the table where she's hanging out, and she seems to be enjoying that. So good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Aww. So she's getting extra pets and extra treats. Yeah. She seems to mostly be not minding it. Yeah, it's good that she's not like, yeah, desperately like in pain or anything. Right, but she's also on opioid painkillers. There, so I would hope <laughs> she's not desperately in pain. So yeah, that's my day. Yeah. Happy yeah. note to start. The yes. Sorry, everybody. Yeah, that's okay. We, you know, I've been you know oversharing all my terrible life this year. So <laughs> you've had just an awful year. So yeah. Uh. Well, Miss Potato. Yeah. So cool, cool. Yeah, we've had her a long time. She's yeah. 16. We got her right after we moved in together. And I'm like, what if she's the only glue that's holding us together? And <laughs> Jeff's like, yeah, we're probably just going to you know, get divorced like two days from now. I'm like, yeah, well, little did we know that the only thing holding us together was Potato. <laughs> that would be very sad. <laughs> I mean, right. it's already sad, but that would, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It would make me sad, too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good times. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a segue. It's not happening. Yeah. How do we segue that from that bummer note? Um. Well, I felt like this episode was a little bit of a bummer note, too. So That probably isn't helping my mood because I just finished watching it and I did not. Spoiler alert. I did not like this episode. So, yeah, I don't think that that's helping my mood at all. Either. Yeah. So we'll try to get through this and not so, be yeah. totally depressing. And So speaking of bummer notes all the way down. <laughs> Yep. Let's talk about this episode. Yeah. What is this episode? Today we're watching 
no, we're talking about the thing we watched, which was Stargate SG-1 Season 4, Episode 17, Absolute Power. Ooh. Ooh. The episode starts in the desert. The team is walking with Kasuf, and he is telling them that he heard a big sandstorm talking to him and saying his daughter's name. It's a little bit ambiguous. Apparently other people have been hearing this as well. And they're worried that it's a sign of the gods returning. Jack admonishingly says, well, I thought we convinced you that they're not gods. And Kasuf said, many, not I. He <laughs> reiterates that he doesn't believe that the gold are gods, but he has not been able to convince everybody yet. Not that surprising. Yeah. They continue walking to around where he says he was hearing the voices in the wind and a sandstorm picks up. And then that sandstorm calls Daniel's name. So they're convinced something weird's going on here. The storm starts to escalate, turns into a big sandy column. You hear Daniel's name called again. Everybody else backs away, but Daniel Daniel approaches it. Uh, yes, that's me. Who's calling? <laughs> <laughs> the sandstorm turns into a person. But instead of being the scary bad guy, Juicy. Yes. It was just a little kid. And as I guessed last time, this is, in fact, the Harsesis, and his name is Shifu. And he introduces himself to all of them, and everyone is surprised. Hello, Shifu. <laughs> Shifu is dressed in the colors, basically, of, like, a Buddhist monk-type uh, yeah. garb. Yeah, like the red and gold. Yeah. Yeah, then it's credits. <laughs> yes. Afterwards, we're still on Abydos. Daniel has apparently been chatting with the boy, it comes in and declares, yes, I think he is the Harsesis. They're a little surprised because he was a baby last time they saw him and it wasn't yeah. that long ago. No. But as they point out, they have seen before that the gold have the ability to artificially speed up growth of people. Teal'c asks Daniel if the Harsesis does indeed have all of the gold knowledge. And Daniel says, yes, but Oma Dasala, who was the, I don't know, incorporeal being who takes yeah. care of him, taught Shifu to forget his past, basically. The whole of the gold history from his brain excised. Yeah. Shifu told Daniel he's here to learn more about his mother. I'm skeptical at this point. Yes. Because... He's just been hanging out in the desert saying his mother's name instead of becoming a person to talk to literally her father who knew her most of her life. <laughs> it does seem quite weird that he would just be hanging out in the middle of the desert rather than coalescing and yeah. going to her village. Right, exactly. Yeah. So it was a little weird. I was like, is that what you wanted? But anyway... Yeah. Kasuf called in SG-1, so this kid's going to talk to Daniel instead, Yeah, who also knew his mother. The team decides to take him back to the SGC. That's basically... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. they want to have Dr. Fraser take a look at him. Yeah, yeah. They don't think he's going to be any kind of dangerous problem. What could go wrong? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> in the gate room, the team comes through with Shifu. They introduce him to Hammond. 
<laughs> Hammond welcomes him, and Shifu tells him that a spark lights a flame, but the candle will only burn as long as the wick. And it reminded me of how annoyed I was with all of the the various sayings that the monk was <laughs> spouting yeah. <laughs> in the episode where we first found Oma, and so I was just groaning to myself during all of this. <laughs> one, re- one of many reasons I didn't like this episode. Jack makes this better, though. He does. <laughs> he tries to explain what he thinks the kid means, and basically it boils down to that it's always better to have a big long wick. Right? <laughs> that made me laugh a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Daniel is not convinced, <laughs> but Jack's like, but no, it's right though, right? In the infirmary, Fraser tries to explain to Shifu that she's going to have to take some blood to do some tests. Shifu wants to know if he will be getting his blood back. And Fraser explains to him that, nope, it's not going to be any good to you anymore after we've done our tests on it. He consents, though, because, you know, trees lose their leaves and they're still fine. Therefore, I guess it's okay for him to lose some blood and still be fine. So she's going to go ahead and do her tests. <laughs> after the tests have finished the team minus sam and hammond are meeting with dr fraser so she can report on what she's found and she does indeed confirm that the same nano whatevers that lived in those people on the trippy pizza cake episode (laughs) are in his blood as well however the foremost experts in the field what field that is (laughs) i don't know Right? I was wondering this because they haven't talked to the Tok'ra about it. So who would the foremost experts in the field of nanosite technology, Google nanosite technology, be? Other than, like, maybe Sam? I don't know. (laughs) Whoever these people are, though, they say the nanosites are inactive. So he's done growing at a rapid rate, apparently. They speculate on whether he had reached a pre-programmed age or Oma Dasala perhaps stopped the growth and either way though he's good for the moment general hammond wants to know about the potential information that harcesis can share they're just talking about it they're like oh that's a big thing for a kid to have to say and teal'c says that's why all golds are born evil because of this <laughs> big memory of all the terrible things they've all done throughout their entire history which all yeah. right meanwhile sam comes in She's been conferring with the Tok'ra. They think they might be able to use their their memory devices that they have to get some of those hidden memories out of the kid's head, which, cool. And it won't harm him physically. Dr. Frazier says, how about mentally? And Daniel wants That's to know yeah, about his emotional well-being as well. Also a good point. Yes. <laughs> I like when he describes it as flooding his mind with the thoughts of a thousand Hitlers. Yes. <laughs> He's not wrong, though. No, no. It was just a, it was a good description, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. was yeah. surprising, but accurate. Yeah. There's some hesitation on Daniel and Dr. Fraser's side on whether or not this is a thing they should do. Hammond is trying to argue that this kid, it could be explained to him in a way in which he'd consent to this. They basically justify what they're about to do, which is try to yeah. get this kid to remember his hidden memories. Yeah. And they're just going to assume that 
if he could forget them once, he can forget them yeah. again once he remembers them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I guess the other thing I think I kind of glossed over, but there's a moment where Jack is like, oh, why'd we have to contact the Tok'ra? And <laughs> yes. yeah, I just want to bring that up because later other people become the ones who are against consulting with their allies. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah, upholding agreements. Right. Later on, Daniel and Shifu are talking in one of those special VIP rooms about Share. Daniel has apparently just told Shifu pretty much the whole story of her life, and they're talking about how she must have been very strong in order to be able to communicate with Daniel through the Guo Old Hand device. Daniel says that, yes, she was very strong, and it felt like he lived a lifetime in those last few moments with Aminette. It was like a dream, and they talk about how dreams teach. A little foreshadowing there. Yeah. But Daniel was glad to have the last chance to say goodbye to her before her death. They go back and forth having a philosophical discussion about finding one's path and whether or not they should be able to fight the Gwauld with this knowledge that Shifu has. Daniel tells Shifu that he's chosen his path of fighting the Gwauld in order to honor Shari's strength. And it's not just about him, though. It's about protecting others including Shifu himself. He tries to explain to Shifu about the Tok'ra technology that will help him to remember certain things. Shifu says some things <laughs> more meaningful. I don't know, what do you call them? <laughs> Aphorisms or whatever? I guess so. Shifu's full of just all of the supposedly meaningful sayings. Daniel tries to say meaningful sayings back at him. <laughs> And Shifu says that Daniel's wise, and he's like, great, because I didn't actually know what that meant. <laughs> and then Shifu raises his hand, touches Daniel's forehead, there's a flash of light, and Daniel falls to the floor unconscious. Night, Daniel. <laughs> At some point later, Daniel wakes up in the infirmary. He wants to know what happened to him, and Dr. Fraser's like, I'd like to know that too. You were just talking to Shifu and then collapsed. Daniel has some sort of flash at this point, which I couldn't really tell what it was. It just seemed mm. to be like a a flash of elsewhere, different place, yeah, different it was time. Like, but it kind of looked like just like a big long hallway or something. Yeah, but it was hard to see what yeah. it was. Jack comes in to check on Daniel, and it's like, what what happened? Daniel says he asked for something, anything that could help fight the gold, and he thinks the kid gave it to him. In Daniel's office, it's apparently quite a while later, he's drawn a whole big diagram of chalk and there's gold letters all around it and he's explaining it to Sam. She's pretty confused about what he's even talking about. But it's a weapon of some sort. There's long-range sensors on it. Daniel's not sure he's got the translation exactly right because everything that's been transplanted into his head is in gold, but he's doing his best with it. It gets its power from liquid Naquita, which Sam is incredulous to learn is a thing. And Daniel's like, well, actually, it's heavy liquid Naquita, but I don't know what that means. <laughs> Daniel seems a little distracted, but when Sam asks if he's okay, he just kind of brushes it off as being a bunch of information just randomly popping into his head kind of disjointedly. And so they continue to do some sciencing. They do. And they come up with something because they're going to present it to General Hammond next. Yeah. 
in his very dark office. I noticed that. <laughs> I was like that's a tone right it there. It was very strange. Like, yeah. <laughs> Daniel has come up with this satellite weapons scheme where it will be able to detect Gould ships approaching and has weapons on it that can actually penetrate Gould shields. So a giant earth wide defense system against the gold. Daniel says they need to build a whole network of them in order to protect the whole planet. Hammond's like, is this something we can actually do? And Sam says, yes, but we're going to need a lot of outside help. Daniel interjects that it means we don't have to involve the Tok'ra, which <laughs> seems like a bad idea. Yeah. And he justifies that as the fact that there could be gold spies within the Tok'ra, which there sure are, but at least one of them they know about. But he doesn't think it's worth the risk. Do we think that that guy is, like, still out and about free among the Tok'ra? Or do we think that they've, like, imprisoned him at this point and gotten information from him? I guess we never really find out what happened to that guy. I think we eventually will find out. Do I, we? Okay. There was a remember. there was an offhand comment in one of the recent episodes where there was Tokra where they say something about thanks to Tanith. So uh-huh. they they're getting some kind of information in some way from him, I guess. Gotcha. Yeah, it was like a, just a throwaway line in the uh oh, the Apophis versus Heruer episode. Yeah. I forget. Yeah. But so he's still around somewhere mm. in some capacity. Yeah. The good news with Daniel having all this information in his head is that they don't have to dump this burden onto Shifu. Hammond says he's concerned with how Shifu managed to do that, but Daniel's like, he's no danger, it's cool. Hammond is still cautious, though, and wants the kid kept under close guard, and he's going to bring this scheme to the Pentagon and get some more people in to help them with it. It's going to be awfully hard to keep this whole thing top secret when you've got... A bunch of people working on it now. Yeah, yeah. But that's not an issue they ever decide to address, so whatever. <laughs> not much, anyway, yeah. Nope. <laughs> yeah. In Daniel's office, Daniel is back to his blackboard, working on stuff. Tilk comes in, and this is about as close as we ever get to seeing him perturbed when he just <laughs> slightly annoyed says, You've interrupted my Kelnarim. <laughs> what do you need? Daniel just wanted to know what a certain translation meant. Tilk says that he thinks the closest translation would be subatomic energy particles. And Daniel's like, yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, you're done. (laughs) And dismisses him. And Tilk leaves looking pretty skeptical about what is happening to Daniel. Meanwhile, in the middle of their conversation, we also got a flash of memory or vision or Something where Teal'c was in his Jaffa uniform and bowing down to Daniel. So what that flash is supposed to mean, we don't really find out. Yeah, I assumed it was an Apophis memory. I thought it it looked, though, like it was in his lab. So I thought that it was Uh, like maybe a wish that he was having or a future premonition. I mean, given how things go, it could be both or either. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You could be right, too, though, that it was just like a memory that a kind of like out of concept or out of place memory from Apophis or somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Sometime after this, Daniel is making a big presentation basically to 
I don't know how many people are in this room, but at least Hammond and Sam, Major Davis. I don't know if the rest of the SG team was there. I don't think so. I think that that was it. There are a couple other randos there too, though. Daniel's presentation basically is that they need to do this thing. It's going to require all resources of the SGC to be completely focused on getting raw Naquita because they need a lot of that, apparently. (laughs) Good times. We've already seen it doesn't go very well when you try to just get large quantities of raw Naquita. Yeah. Daniel in this scene is being a total asshole. Oh, yeah. He's cutting people off left and right as they say Mm -hmm. things. Sam's like, we should ask the Toker for help. He's like, meh. It's basically like in charge of this for some reason. Yeah. Even more full of himself than he normally already is. Yeah. He really didn't need any more reason to be full of himself, but he is now. No. Yeah, he's being an ass. Like, Major Davis is like, it's going to take us two years and it's going to cost us $80 billion to do this. And Daniel's like, no, that's unacceptable. It's not fast enough. Major Davis is like, well, how about we involve the Russians? And Daniel is like, hell fucking no. Yeah, it was weird, too, because he was saying that the project was too important to get screwed up by petty Earth politics. So he didn't want to let the Russians know in case they traded secrets. But wouldn't keeping this a secret from all other countries also be considered petty earth politics yeah well (laughs) yeah not to mention if they're supposed to be launching it from all around the world how are they going to be getting all these different launch sites if they're not telling any other countries what they're doing great question major davis has issues with this as well because He's like, uh, some of these petty nations might also have an issue with this. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But Daniel's like, yeah, we don't need them. It doesn't matter. I can render the other Stargate inactive so we don't have to talk to the Russians at all. What could go wrong with that? Daniel's like, we're going to do this in a year. He pulls out reports, throws them on the table. He's like, we're going to have to subcontract a lot of this to the private sector, keep things very compartmentalized so that nobody figures out what they're trying to do overall. Then he pulls out another folder to give to Davis where he has some personal requests, requirements (laughs) of the Pentagon. I don't know exactly what those were. I'm sure that they were awful and make him extra insufferable, but I really want to know what specifically they were here. The big mansion? Um, All the money? Well, I'm wondering if the big mansion and the extra money were part of this initial personal requirement, or if that was just like he just kept asking for more and more over time, which would be my guess. Which is what's making me curious about what was in the initial round of personal requirements, because I'm just guessing it kind of snowballed from there. If he was able to get the first round of stuff easily. True. He probably would have then been like, well, I can continue to ask for more. Anyway, we don't find those answers. But he does get a mansion. He does. (laughs) Eventually. Yeah. So he just was like, do this thing and then leaves. And everyone's like, uh. (laughs) Yeah. However, it doesn't seem to be a question for long so <laughs> yep. no not really so daniel goes back to his office and he's in there playing with a gold ribbon device actually wearing it which seems pretty bad jack mm. comes in and is fairly horrified to see what daniel's doing but because daniel has no naquita in his blood he can't use it anyway and jack's like yeah that's probably a good thing <laughs> daniel wants to know why he's there and jack wants to know what the hell is up with his <laughs> terrible behavior and 
how it is that he suddenly has the authority to actually be giving people orders, and Daniel says that the Pentagon gave him that authority. I don't know much about hierarchy in the military, but I find it very difficult to believe that they would give an outside contractor this power to be overseeing stuff when he himself is not a military person. But who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. They go back and forth about how Daniel's under a lot of pressure, but Jack's trying to basically sympathize with him or empathize or what have you. But Daniel doesn't really want to talk. He just says that he's going to have Jack oversee the retrieval of Naquita, kind of as an implication that Jack should just be grateful and shut up. Yeah. He wants to know where Teal'c is, and we find out that Daniel has sent him on a mission. Jack wants to know what mission. Daniel's only response to that is the one I sent him on. When's he going to be back? He'll be back when he's done. (laughs) Now Daniel is too busy to be dealing with Jack, so he dismisses him. (sighs) Yeah. Yep. (laughs) (sighs) Then we see some Jaffa in a very, like foggy dream sequency way yeah we see two jaffa drag apophis over to someone and apophis begs begs for mercy but he's sparkle blinged and then the camera pans and it is daniel blinging the shit out of him shocking yeah daniel wakes up yeah and it's one year later in his mansion (laughs) yes in his mansion he gets up out of bed and he can hear out the window a car drives up and he sees it's Sam. Guards let her in through the gate. Meanwhile, Daniel comes out and there's people at the ready to do his bidding. Yeah. His assistant is there briefing him on what his day is looking like and people he's need to talk to. He's pretty mad. Something is not going according to schedule. They let him know Sam is there to see him. He, however, just has no interest in that and says, send her away. And why does she still have a valid security pass? So some shit's gone down. We don't know what yet. But things are not going well between SG-1 and Daniel. Apparently not. Probably because Daniel is just getting more and more insufferable. Indeed. Daniel makes his way into the dining room. A maid is there providing breakfast to Shifu. And it seemed weird to me that this otherworldly very gifted child who is wise beyond his years was just sitting there eating a bowl of crappy sugary fruit loops that's what he's eating (laughs) and when asked what he wants daniel says he's not going to have anything for breakfast because he's not hungry shifu tells him it's the most important meal of the day which again ironic it makes it strange that he is eating fruit loops Loops. (laughs) if he truly believes that Daniel asked if Oma taught him that, but no, Shifu learned that from television. So things aren't really going all that well for Shifu, unfortunately. He's getting some bad influences here on the planet. Sam barges her way in, despite the fact that she was asked to leave, and she has some accusations about Daniel and what he's doing. We don't really get the specifics about it, but she knows what he's got planned and is angry that he had her removed from the project And figures that it's because she would figure it out eventually, so he didn't want her there to Sam out what was really happening. (laughs) Daniel accuses her of being jealous, which she is, of course, incensed by. And ultimately, she's brought out of there by security. While all of this is happening, Daniel has a flash in his mind of torturing Sam with a pain stick. Cool. 
Yeah. Did I miss anything important? I don't think so. Okay. Except for the part at the end where the assistant's like, is yeah. she insane? And he nods. <laughs> yeah, gross. That's gross. I hate that. Yeah. Apparently, Daniel has all kinds of power. Sam's in jail. Yeah. Jack, in his baggy clothes, goes to see right? her. I noticed so, how huge his clothes were yet so again. So big. So big. <laughs> giant jeans and a giant, yeah. like, silken yeah. sleeve shirt. <laughs> So weird. Sam has apparently asked him to come because she cannot get anyone to react or respond to the things that she needs to tell people about what Daniel's up to. Obviously, he doesn't think she's nuts, as he says, but he's like, it's Daniel. Maybe he's a little carried away, but he wouldn't hurt the whole planet. Yeah, of course not. No, but Sam's very skeptical about this. She's like, how about Teal'c? Do you still blame Daniel for that? So something bad has happened to Teal'c. Yeah. We never really find out exactly what, but no, I was wondering if it was related to that mission. unidentified mission that they referred to in like the last scene. That'd be my guess. Yeah. They say they couldn't prove that Daniel was involved in it at all, but they're suspicious. Yeah. Basically, Sam wants Jack to go try to talk to Daniel to see if he can reason with him in some way although about what again we get no information about right just that he seems to be building some kind of super weapon and his behavior is concerning yes quite also daniel has so much power that he's watching their whole interaction on some camera (laughs) yeah yeah it's creepy yep yep sam does have jack convinced though so jack makes his way to the mansion they have some false pleasantries when Daniel comes in the room about, oh, it's nice to see you. It's been a long time. Sorry, we haven't talked more. Blah, blah, blah. Daniel essentially accuses Jack of purposefully showing up on the launch day. He says it can't just be a coincidence. Jack feigns ignorance that it was supposed to be the launch day. So <laughs> they're going to go watch together. Jack figures that they're just going to watch on some big screen TV or something. But Daniel's like, no, come here. Come here. Just come over here. Jack is suspicious, but he does as Daniel asks and comes over to where he's standing in the middle of the room. And some transporter rings come up out of nowhere. And then they're ringed into some very dark control roomy type place. Daniel smugly says what a pain in the ass elevators are. Apparently he likes the ring systems better. There are some preparatory conversations going on between the different texts that are in the room. Daniel has like this whole special <sighs> chair that like extends out over a big pit for <laughs> reasons. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Cerebro. What the purpose of that was that purpose of that was who knows. This device amplifies my power allowing me to locate mutants. <laughs> They're prepping for lunch. Jack and Daniel are talking about what happened to Sam, and Jack is a little bit angry that Daniel just threw her in jail for no real reason, aside from the fact that he didn't like what she was saying. Yeah. One of the texts tells Daniel that the Joint Chief is on Channel 1, so they put him on, and surprise, it's the Dream. Woo! <laughs> Welcome back, the Dream. He congratulates Daniel, on all of the hard work and preparation that's gone into this day. 
They have 24 delivery systems all launching concurrently from all around the world, which again, how they managed to keep that secret from all other countries. Who knows? But we never get that addressed. Daniel is oddly blasé about the situation and kind of casually admits that they've all taken bets on how well this launch is going to go. There's three to one odds against it. Daniel says to put Jack down for a hundred. Dollars, right? (laughs) There's countdown and liftoff. Everything goes just fine. We see on the screen the rockets all being launched from all over the world and making their way out into orbit. The network is in place. Systems are all functioning nominally. And Daniel just, again, kind of unaffected, says, that's it. Pay the winners. And then (laughs) kind of wanders away. Yep. He does, however, grab a $2,000 bottle of champagne and starts pouring and is shocked that Jack doesn't want any when he's offered some. He tells Jack that he's about to become an international hero once everybody learns about this whole gold defense mechanism system that they've put out in space. The president, in fact, is going to be making an announcement about the existence of the Stargate program. So Jack's going to be super famous and a big hero. On a TV screen, a reporter announces that the president has postponed his public address that he had planned. And Daniel is not happy to hear that, because presumably that public address was going to be the one to announce the existence of the Stargate program. He gets the dream back on the screen, and the dream tells him that the Russians have gone on high alert because they've seen all of these launches (laughs) happening all around the world. And the Chinese are also on high alert for the same reason. Who would have thought? Shocking. Yeah. So the Russians are going to try to actually shoot down part of this system because it was something that they were not warned about. So they orient their defense network on the Russian satellite and they take it out before it can take out one of their satellites. This seems bad. You would think this would be viewed as an act of war, but again, not really a thing that they're (laughs) going to take into consideration. Not horribly, anyway. One of the guys in the room announces that the target's been eliminated. Jack's sitting kind of silently, looking very unhappy, unimpressed. The dream, however, is very impressed. He is. As he says, everyone is. However, and this happens very quickly, because they're still on this same conversation where the Russians are already about to launch more weapons against the satellites. Yeah, information's traveling <laughs> yeah. surprisingly quickly. Yes, The Dream says they're ready to implement a proportional response. And Daniel's like, well, isn't this just going to lead to nuclear war eventually? And shouldn't we just skip all that? Take care of it right now? <laughs> uh, yeah. The Dream's like, um, maybe we don't need to jump that gun. And the president is actually rethinking their unilateral control of this system. Because the president's not a total asshole, apparently. I don't know. But he kind of is because he went along with it this whole time. Truth. However, Daniel was prepared for this and he pushes a little button on his seat. And now he has total control of the whole thing. And because the president is unwilling to act, Daniel's going to take it into his own hands what could go wrong yeah, with that? To preemptively strike at Moscow. Yeah. 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 It's not great. Yep. Just more evidence that given any like slight amount of power, Daniel goes 
yeah. full-on, like, <laughs> dictator ready to commit some genocide. Yeah, yeah. They're targeting it. Jack is like, what the hell, man? Let's not do this. And he actually pulls out a gun and tries to shoot Daniel. But, of course, Daniel has also gotten a gold force field built around his little control seat. Do we think it was just around the control seat? Or do we think that it was something that he has on him at all times? Oh, good question. I would think all times. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So there's nothing he can do. Jack, though, still tries to convince him not to by casting suspicion and doubt on Harcesis himself and being like, maybe he's not. Maybe this is a gold plot to get us to destroy ourselves. They are not above using children. But Daniel's like, there's only one flaw in that theory. You're assuming this is not what I wanted all along, which is (laughs) totally weird. Yes, all along, I just wanted to kill Russians. (sighs) Well, I mean, we've already seen him just, like, slaughter all of those gold larvas. That's true. If given the opportunity and enough power, Daniel just likes to go on murder sprees. Indeed. Despite Jack's begging, Daniel has Moscow blown up with his satellite system. Yeah. And we even get a nice view of the Kremlin and a bunch of people wandering around in the street and a big explosion. Cool. Yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah. That's that. That is that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Suddenly we're back in the infirmary and Daniel is still in bed unconscious. So as was very predictable by now, (laughs) that whole scene, that whole thing was just one big long dream sequence. We had the dream within the dream. That dream within a dream. It's Inception. (laughs) (laughs) Jack and Fraser are talking about Daniel's status. Jack thinks that he's in a coma, but he's got too much REM going to be in a coma. But he's not waking up either, so they don't really know exactly what's wrong with him. In the briefing room, Teal'c, Sam, Jack, and Hammond are hanging around with... Have we met this Toker before? I can't remember. I don't remember. Anyway, his name is Aldwin, apparently. And he is there on behalf of the Tokra. He's the one that has come with the memory device... The Zaytark detector that they're going to try to use on the kid to get him to remember some gold stuff, gold technology, gold history, whatever it is that they can get him to reveal. Shifu hasn't told them what happened to Daniel other than that he's teaching Daniel. So he's being pretty ambiguous about why Daniel is unconscious and what happened. So they're going to go to the lab with Shifu. They do. They do. Sam straps him in, but she tries to assure him it's a precaution she's had to have this done too she was strapped in shifu of course is like the mind is always free (laughs) (laughs) he's being shifu as they talk to him but yeah so aldwin puts the device on his head and they start to ask him questions like what's your name are you harcesis shifu says i am many things I don't know why they were even really still questioning whether or not he was the true Harcesis. They had come to the same conclusion in the briefing room that they had come to in Daniel's dream that he might not be the real Harcesis and he might be a ghouled plant. But if he was a ghouled plant, then how would he know about Oma? Because true, the ghouled don't know about Oma de Sala or where the kid is. Yeah. I don't know. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. They ask what he did to Daniel, and he says, dreams sometimes teach. I am teaching him. 
and he's teaching him basically that the knowledge he possesses is too strong and will corrupt anyone who has it is basically or maybe just daniel like maybe just don't give it to daniel give it to someone else maybe. like sam but you know <laughs> since earlier they were like all gold or born evil because of this knowledge they possess i feel mm-hmm. like the ultimate thing is like we're not gonna do this i don't know but again we've already seen on a few occasions that daniel given enough power will yes, just absolutely take it way too far like the episode where he had access to the sarcophagus oh, and yeah. like became addicted to it and then you know like i said the episode where he killed all of the gold larvae and yeah he's just not a good person no. <laughs> so maybe give that information yeah. to someone else yeah but no. But no. But Daniel wakes up and comes into the room and he indicates to Shifu that he's learned his lesson. He's going to choose a new path, he says. Meanwhile, Shifu is like, I'm going to continue on my path. Basically, Shifu's going to leave and <laughs> ain't nobody able to do something about it. Nope. <laughs> Daniel wants to know if they're going to see each other again. Shifu is also kind of like non-answers that question, but it sounds like maybe one day their paths will cross again. And Alduin's like, what the hell? We can't just (laughs) let him leave. He's got all this knowledge. (laughs) But Sam's like, yeah, we don't have a choice. And Shifu then becomes incorporeal and therefore they can't do anything about it. Out in the observation room, there's a red alert sounding. Jack and Hammond are talking about what's going on. Jack says that he highly recommends that Hammond order all personnel to stand down and not shoot at the incorporeal light being. <laughs> this this whole scene was just hilarious because Hammond is just is just Hammond again deferring to Jack. Yeah. Like, Hammond's like, "Are you sure?" <laughs> and Jack's like, "Yeah, I'm sure." And Hammond's like, "All right, but what am I supposed to say?" <laughs> Asking Jack what you're supposed to say. Come on. That's weird. <laughs> you're the one in charge, Hammond. <laughs> Jack doesn't actually answer that, though. So Hammond gets on the microphone and just kind of stumbles his way through his statement that there's a glowing energy being <laughs> probably going to the gate room. Maybe don't shoot it. Out in the corridor. Out in the corridor. <laughs> Out in the corridor. We see all of the various guards lowering their weapons as Shifu passes in his light being form. The gate opens on its own, not surprisingly. On the ramp, Shifu recoalesces into a person, waves goodbye to Daniel, Daniel waves back, and then Shifu goes through the gate and it shuts down. And that's the end of the episode. Sure is. <sighs> Kathy. Yeah. Did you like the episode? No, but I think that my reason is probably going to be not the same as yours. Fair. I have obviously mentioned many a time I enjoy like a sort of alternate reality type thing. Yeah. However, this one came literally right after the last one. That annoyed me too. It felt like it was just too much like things that aren't happening happening in the show. I don't yeah. know. It was it was too much. I mean, it was also sort of like a beat you over the head with the absolute power corrupts absolutely sort of theme. I mean, it's fine. But yeah, it was just a little bit much. And I wasn't fond of that. Yeah. How about you? Fair. 
Yeah, as I said, I already didn't like it because I mentioned last time I'm not generally a huge fan of alternate timelines that then turn out to just not have happened or are undone somehow. So wasn't a big fan of it because of that. The constant answering questions with non-answers <laughs> pisses me off, as I've also already mentioned before. And all of the ambiguity that I was pointing out, like the fact that we never learn what really happened to Teal'c or that we never really learn exactly how they got all of these launching pads set up around the world without letting other any other countries know what was going on. And like, yeah, I guess I get that it was a dream. So like <laughs> dreams are often ambiguous, but just too much ambiguity about how all of this stuff happened in such a short time frame, supposedly. And that was yet another reason I did not like it. And yeah, it was just like a super bummer of an yeah, episode to see that, like, give it enough knowledge that Daniel really would become completely corrupted. And as I've said, we've seen hints of that before, but yeah. like just seeing him take it to quite this extreme when he's supposed to be a character that we like it yeah. was also tough. Like just seeing him literally destroy the entire city of Moscow and killing all of the civilians and innocent people there was that was rough. Yeah, that was bad. How did this child actor rate on your child actor hatred scale? <laughs> he was, I mean, it was hard to say because the role was, I think, probably supposed to be a fairly unemoting and unaffected true kid. So I didn't feel like he was necessarily great, but I thought he was fine at the role that he was cast for. Fair. And I thought that he was better than that other kid that was also playing the super unaffected kid, Charlie yeah. Charlie 2.0 or whatever. Like That kid I thought was extra bad. So I didn't think that he was as bad as that kid. I thought he was okay. appropriate for the role without being like too stiff and annoying. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will tell you, we will not see this child actor again. Good. And also, <laughs> this person does not act anymore. It I looks was actually like. wondering yeah, it, what happened. It looks like he didn't have many parts and then just yeah. went on with his life. So, yeah, good. Uh, so what's next? <laughs> next, we will be watching Stargate SG-1 Season 4, Episode 18, The Light. Netflix says, one member of an SG union has committed suicide and others, mm. including Jackson, are near death. The answer could lie in a strange off-world temple. That sounds terrible. It so, does. Um, trigger warning for the next episode, yeah, I guess. Yeah. The booklet <laughs> describes it as SG-1 travels to a planet to investigate a machine that induces narcotic pleasure. But when they try to leave the planet, they are overcome with debilitating withdrawal symptoms, forcing them to stay. Can they free themselves from this addiction before it consumes them completely? Lovely. So another yeah. drugs are bad, very special episode yeah. type of thing that, for whatever reason, all series felt the need to do back in the 90s and yeah. early 2000s. That's really interesting, too. You had mentioned Daniel's sarcophagus time, so I feel like we've kind of already seen we've already, a, yeah, we've already a version that. of this. Right. Yeah. So we'll see how this goes, because I, for sure, neither of these descriptions like are triggering much memory. So. No, me neither. Yeah. All right. Doesn't sound great, but no. <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> Yay! Maybe Yay. we'll be three for three, uh, three in a row of me not liking them. That'll oh, be a record. Cool. Yeah. Something to look forward to. Indeed. Maybe. Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe I'll enjoy it somehow. But if there's themes of suicide and mental health issues, I don't think I'm going to like it. Yeah. Anyway, 
As always, thanks for listening. If you haven't already done so, make sure you subscribe so that you can get our episodes as soon as they come out every Wednesday. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. You can email us at stargazing at gmail.com. You can send us messages through our website, which is stargazing.space. And if you're feeling generous, you can help support the show over at patreon.com slash stargazing. I'm Mary. I'm Kathy. And you've been listening to Stargazing. The end. The end. <laughs> this is a I felt like a quick one huh or at least our, it now? i mean it felt like a long time but i think we've only been here like an hour yeah it was an hour that's about what we've kind of been averaging lately oh, okay we've actually even had a few lately that were shorter than that maybe we're just getting better at describing things i don't yeah, know Yeah. also when the episodes are kind of shitty and boring we <laughs> tend to have fewer jokes and fewer tangents true so. true <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, it kind of varies a lot with the episode, too. Yeah.